following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, we thank you for just the privilege that is ours to reflect upon your word, your truth, your will, your way, your rescue, uh, your purpose and plan come to fruition uh, in a cross, an empty tomb, and a risen Savior. Thank you for pouring out your spirit upon us to empower us so that uh, we can walk in unity with you, Father, Son, and Spirit, and that we can walk in unity with one another, uh, seeking to please and honor you in all that we do. Would you strengthen us for that purpose? Uh, we pray that you be with Dorian. Uh, that you would uh, minister to him in, in his health, uh, be with grace, his mama, that you would just please uh, uh, just touch this family and this need that, uh, that only you know in full detail. But Father, we know that you are good and we put our trust and confidence in you. Uh, we just continue to give you Eva and Rob and Jerry and Fred and, and just our fellowship, Lord. We just ask that you would minister to us that we, would, uh, that we would experience the, the healing, the strength, uh, the love, uh, just the grace that comes to us in various forms that finds its source in you, Lord. And our trust and hope is in you. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, that it would be pleasing in your sight, Lord, that you would uh, seed our hearts for, uh, for just a, a further opportunity to honor and please you in what we do. Um, please bless uh, not just the preaching of your word, but the hearing of your word, that it wouldn't be something we know, but something we live uh, out of love for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I don't know if uh, what your discipline is on keeping your cell phone charged, but um, what I do is I, I plug my phone in at night before I go to sleep. Anybody else do that? Right. So so like, uh, well, I woke up this uh, this week. It was uh, Thursday uh, night, Friday morning, and my cell phone was dead because I forgot to plug in my phone. Right. Like so anybody else ever done that? Like gone to bed, forgot to plug cell phone. In. OK, so but but because my mind was so entrenched in this passage, it was just a reminder. Like um, so back in chapter 15, Jesus says, abide in me. And you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Um, what that moment remind me of, or the question I would ask, is are you plugged in and charged up? Right? That, immediately that's what came to mind for me. Is, uh, you know, am I, am I staying plugged into the true vine, the only source of hope and truth and life and love, Right, the only source of true freedom and liberty, and uh, am I maintaining uh, a consistent relationship in Christ? Because He says, apart from Him, we are fruitless. He is the source of our fruit, of our vitality, of our love, joy, peace, and 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 longs to have that glorious expression through our lives. But moments before this, the same conversation before he enters into prayer with the Father, he as a part of that conversation, he says, man, stay close to me. Be, 
be connected to me. You're going to connect yourself to things in life. He says, connect your life to mine because I'm the source of your life. And if you do, then my life will flow through yours. And that is, that is the mysterious work that God does through his Holy Spirit in our lives, through our lives. Uh, and that's how we bear fruit. Apart from him, we, we don't. And so I, I, I only share that because I love how Jesus always tied biblical principles to practical living and practical circumstances, trees and, and agriculture and seeds and water. And so I know that most of us plug our cell phones in quite often. And I, I hope that every time that you do that, you'll be reminded, man, I've got to I've got to stay in his word, stay connected to Christ because he is the source of everything that is good and all of his promises are realized in him. So um, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. Uh, we started in this, in this piece in John 17 last week. By the way, this is our journey to Easter. So we be, we've begun our journey to Easter. And, uh, and this conversation or this prayer, in the, just so we understand when, when it happened, Jesus left the upper room. He was making his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And along the way, only in the Gospel of John, we see... This, these amazing teachings that Jesus is leaving with them, letting him know that he's heading out, but the Holy Spirit is coming, and it's going to be better for you that he does. I will be with the Father, and he will be in you, and work out my life and ministry through you. And, uh, and so, as we talk about prayer this morning, I just want to remind you, um, I ended up preparing for this message twice this week, um, and the reason why was when on Thursday when I was preparing and had finished, I was excited, but, um, but the Lord, as I said, you know, from, from Thursday to, to Saturday is where I do some more preparation. Man, he just really impressed on my heart, like really what we should be focused on with this text. And it's really focused, it's, it's focused is prayer. Because so often we can look at text and we're trying to pull out all the biblical principles and, and the understandings that are here. But man, the heart of this text is prayer. And Jesus, like this is the one prayer we get. Like this, we're, we're, we're invited into a cosmic conversation here. Like as I said last week, a, a divine discussion. Like, and, and what we get here is we get Jesus' heart. We hear a little bit about his desires for 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 the for us for us um for his disciples and we get a whole lot about his heart uh for the father and the father's heart for us and uh and so that just seemed that just overshadowed everything that that was prepared and and so there was a second preparation and i'm super excited to share that with you first thing i want to tell us as it relates to prayer i want to encourage you um, do it. Okay? Um, we're called to pray without ceasing. We're, we're given promises like in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We're given the example of Jesus in Mark 1.35. It says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left that place because, you know, he lived in community and he, he found a solitary place. And you know what he did? He prayed. 
And the reason that we see the disciples ask him emphatically, and we, we see it in Luke 11, starting in verse 1, teach us to pray is because they saw that this was his, this is where his heartbeat was. This, this is where, it, as I mentioned last week, in the Gospel of John, we see the, 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 the Father talked about 122 times. Like this is, this is, this, because it's all about the Father and His glory as far as Jesus is concerned. And so, right, in fact, in this small context of chapters 14 to 17, we, we, we hear Jesus, and this is a conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples, talking about the Father 54 times. So what, when, we, when we get to this moment on prayer, what I love is what, like, Okay, so if, if we hear, if you listen to someone pray, you can learn a lot about how they see the Father, how they see God, right? You can learn a lot about how they perceive him and, and how he provides for them and how much confidence and faith. I mean, a lot of that, and you know, this is an ideal prayer, right? Now, let's not miss this, and I say this on the front side. You know, he is moments away um, you know, moments away from his prayer in Gethsemane where he's saying, Father, take this cup. Not your will, but my will, not my will, but your will be done. But here we, we see, in, in, in my opinion, an ideal uh, uh, prayer that is so filled with two things. One, faith. Faith in the Father. Like there's this, uh, like this is incredible confidence that what I'm asking for that has future implications is, it, he speaks of it as if it's already done because that's what faith does, right? And then the other thing we see this prayer filled with is truth, is truth. Now, let me say, you know, is it ideal that our prayers would be filled with faith and truth? Absolutely. Right. And uh, and and but what I will also say uh, as it relates to that is. And it's more of a challenge as you read his word and his word becomes a very, very pivotal part of his conversation with the father, because it's the means of our spiritual sanctification or growth. Right. Uh, And and what I've heard this over and over again, and I've found it true in my own life is as you read the word, pray through it. As you encounter the word and, and, uh, and, and experience like the challenges, the convictions that come, whether it be confession, which anybody find themselves in need of confession as they read through the scriptures, right? Or, or the counsel that leads us to, to a desire to fulfill um, something that we're called to that is beyond my capacity to to do, we call upon the Holy Spirit and his power to see that to fruition, right? It, to see that realized in our lives. So, so prayer should, you know, like here's Jesus kind of laying out all these principles for them and, and sharing with them what's coming and, and how they're going to overcome and, and how he overcame. But in the midst of that, isn't it incredibly ideal that what he does, it says there in, in verse 1, which we did last week, is after saying, I will overcome the world, or I have overcome the world, it says he lifted his eyes to heaven and he prayed. So 
I think he's an amazing example to us. Like, so tell me this morning as we think through the context here, what's in front of him? Cross, right? Suffering, the, the, the full brunt of God's wrath that was due all humanity's sin was poured out on him. And he's the one that planned and invited this in. This is what love does in order to rescue us, right? And, but it's interesting, knowing the full details of what he was about to go through, he prays, he seeks the Father. He entrusts himself to a faithful creator who judges justly. He puts himself in the shepherd's hands, right, as, as our good shepherd. And, and, and he's such an, a beautiful example to us. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the Father. And what's, what's, what another piece of this that's so fantastic is that, like, guys, this prayer was rendered, like, almost 2,000 years ago, right? And we can see the fruition, like the... They were, it was accomplished and there's still things to be accomplished that he's praying for. And here's the good news. Do you know that Jesus is praying for us right now? Remember I mentioned that, you know, for Peter, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, right? That you even know me. But because uh, the enemy is wanting to sift you as weak, but, but take heart, I've prayed for you. That this is what Jesus, this, this is what Jesus d- is doing for us even now. So, Here's, here's the good news as it relates to prayer. I want to I invite you to pray often, always, consistently, without ceasing. One, the Father has invited us in, right? And the, the, the obstacles have all been removed, right? We, the curtain's been torn. The veil's been torn from heaven to earth, and, and the Father has invited us in. Not only that, but we have a mediator, an advocate, someone that's tasted everything that we could possibly go through and he is for us and not against us. We are his bride and he loves us deeply and he is advocating, mediating on our behalf at the th- in the throne room for us. Now, if that's not enough, get this. There's been God's spirit has been poured out on us to help us to pray in according to his will. Guys, we're fully equipped for this prayer thing, for this this glorious conversation with, with, with the Father, with the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one that knows you better than you know yourself. Right? And and we have his spirit inside of us in order to remind us that he's daddy. Right? And that he loves us. Right? And that that anything and everything that would, that would be an obstacle to this relationship, I have atoned for, Jesus says, as our advocate. Why I say all that is because I think sometimes we, we wander into the deception and lie that we're still under condemnation. And it's not true. It's not true. Right? The, the, the throne room, come, we're, we're invited to come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace in our time of need. How often are we in need? <laughs> right, we live in that place. And, and what I want to invite you to, to see this morning, 
um, as, as the second edition of this sermon for me and what has been so refreshing for me is, is what Jesus models for us in prayer and how he shows us how, I mean, it's so, to me, like look for, look for all of the, the ways that Jesus depicts the Father, um, expresses his desires, and, and all of his desires are actually for you, like for us. Like, it's so incredibly selfless in prayer. It, his love for the Father, his love for his bride, for you and me, right, for the church. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. So we learn so much about our Lord's heart here. We learn about his relationship to the Father. And, and listen, what's so beautiful here is we've been given the same relationship through Christ by his Spirit. Like we've been, we're co-heirs with Christ. He has shared his Father. He is, he, we, he, we've been adopted into the family, right? And so his perception of the Father. I don't think we could get, a, don't miss this, I don't think we could get a more accurate depiction of the Father but from Jesus, right? In fact, he actually says here that no one really knows the Father but me and, and I'm, I'm gonna reveal him to you and then through you to the world. And so, um, so listen to like how Jesus speaks about his Father and, and, and then his posture. His posture is, like for, for his father's glory. You know, such an example to us. Secondly, uh, what he wants for us. Listen to what he wants for us. There's this beautiful theme of unity and oneness. And it's not just, it's not superficial. It's not, it's not, it is profoundly perfect. He wants the oneness that is shared between him and his father he, he has literally equipped us for that. So listen for what he, what he wants for us. Secondly, the joy that's set before him. Like, how could he have joy knowing what's coming if he didn't have total confidence in where he was going? Does that make sense? And that is a huge example for us in life. Like if we know where we've come from and who we are and where we're going, like he states in John 13 before we wash the disciples' feet, he can risk serving because you've got nothing to lose, right? When you know that, it's like Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, right? And so Jesus knew his destiny and he was confident in the Father's faithfulness. His heart his heart to protect us. <laughs> One of the things we see in this prayer is his passionate heart to protect us. Like to do what he did on earth for his disciples, he entrusts the Father and his name to that responsibility. He reveals the Father's love for us here. He reveals the love the Father has for us. And, uh, and man, does he have any credibility to speak to that? If anyone knows, he does. So, so let's listen in to this cosmic conversation that happened 2,000 years ago that is, that, that is so intimate yet so um, profound in its, uh, its revelation to us about the heart of God, the heart of heaven. Like, and so let's listen in. John 17, 11 to 26. And I am no longer, Jesus says, in the world. But they, speaking of his disciples, are in the world. 
and I am coming to you, speaking of his father. He says, Holy Father, keep them, his disciples, in your name. So I just, I want to reinforce this again because we talk about this quite a bit. But when he says in your name, he means in your nature, in your attributes, in your character, in your authority, in who you are, right? This, this is exactly what God was revealing to the nation of Israel. He says, I, I do this so that you will know my name, right? He, he's basically, throughout his relationship with Israel, he was revealing himself to them all of his perfection, all of his attributes, all of his character, all of his faithfulness, his kindness on display, his mercy, his grace, his justice, right? All of it on display so that you'll know me. And what Jesus is saying here is he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name or in your nature, right? In who you are. He's entrusting them to a faithful father. And what's so powerful about that is now, is, as, as it goes on to say here, is we're told later that we, sh- we share in his divine nature. Do you know that we're told that in the New Testament? That we share because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, because our, our spiritual debt has been satisfied and we have been invited in. We are close. We are his we, we also share in his divine nature, um, which he clarifies here, which says, which you have given me that they may be one, right? He's talking about the disciples and future disciples, even as we are one. There's the standard of oneness. Guys, is it encouraging to know that this is what Jesus wants? Right? And that, do you think that this prayer stopped here? Or do you think that this is still the desire of Jesus for the church? Right? That's an, that's an obvious yes. Right? He, and, and we are empowered for that to be the truth. Like he, he wants what's, what's, what the unity of heaven to find its, to find its expression here in the body of Christ. And, and later we'll look at, as we finish reading the text here, we'll, we'll understand why he wants that why he wants the church to be loved and loving and why he wants the church to be unified and, uh, and one. Verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and no, not, not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Who's he talking about? Judas. That the scriptures might be fulfilled. Was that a surprise to Jesus? We, we, we learn right from the beginning of his ministry, he knew Jesus, Judas was chosen for this purpose because Judas chose this purpose. Right, verse 13, but now I am coming to you. And these things, like Jesus is coming to the Father. One of the things that we have to see in this prayer, it's so beautiful, is Jesus has this deep longing for the Father's presence. Right? He wants to be restored to it, the glory that was his before the foundations of the world. He has a hunger for heaven. And, and I, I, I want us, as we go through this this morning, to, to kind of like let it, let it influence our prayer life. Does that make me I mean, by, by, we got a long way to go, right? When it comes to, to knowing the, like Jesus did and understanding truth and, and walking in, in that. But like, but, 
but we can learn so much from Jesus here that as he prays, he has this confidence in God's promises. He is praying in truth, right? And, and he, is, uh, he is confident, right, in the Lord. And what he, that, that, like when he asked to be in the Father's presence, where's Jesus right now? In the Father's presence, right? So like, it's, it, it, that's what I mean when I say praying in faith. Like we're praying in, in, we're praying in faith in him, in his faithfulness, in his promises, in what he has declared. And we, we, we speak of it as if it's already transpired as we see in Hebrews 11. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now, this is fantastic. If, if you're taking notes and even if you have your Bible open you, and it's not already there, you might want to write a cross-reference here that is really excellent to John 15, 9 through 11. Because this is where Jesus says, he says, look, abide in my love. Well, how do we do that? He says, well, if you abide in my word, right, and you keep my word, you will abide in my love. And then he says this, and my joy, my joy, he says, will be in you and your joy will be complete. So Jesus throughout this, this farewell discourse, these, this, these moments, is talking a lot about his joy being in us. And what's interesting is if we look at this verse again, he says this, and these things I speak in the world, he's talking about his truth, right? The Father's word, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Man, I, I think this is a, anybody, anybody would appreciate a little bit more joy in your life, right? And we know that the source of that joy is him and his spirit has come to impart that joy to us. It's available to us. But over and over and over again, it seems like that joy is also connected to his word. Over and over again. And, and so just continuing to seed our hearts with truth. Uh, I've heard it said this way. We find our joy in the word, not in the world. Right? Like, man, where are you looking for pleasure and purpose and joy and strength and hope because I promise you the world will disappoint you, right? And even those in it, maybe not with intentionality, you know, with the best intentions, but I'm just saying that his word will never put us to shame. His promises will never disappoint us. And we see it in Jesus' prayer. He prays these, these promises back to the Father. Uh, in fact, in, in, in confidence, Jeremiah, Jeremiah said this in chapter 15, verse 16. He said, your word became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Don't you love that? Right before that, he talks about like eating it, <laughs> you know, consuming his word uh, as precious. Um, we open ourselves up to worldly ways when we neglect the word of God. Isn't that true? Right? Like there's a power. It's powerful. Uh, it, it imparts his heart to us. It, it, it's, we're told that we're sanctified. What that means is we are, we are made holy by his spirit through his word, truth. We'll see that in just a moment. 
I like what D.L. Moody wrote something in the front cover of his Bible. And uh, I came across this this week. This is what he wrote. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. I thought that was interesting. Verse 14. I have given them your word. Guys, can I just say this as we're kind of going through this and processing the text? Do you know that that Jesus gifted us with his word? Like we see, if we read Psalms 119, we see what a treasure, uh, what, 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 what a precious treasure God's word is. Um, but we're told right here that Jesus has gifted us with his word. Do we know that his word is the means to not only our sanctification and salvation, but it is our message to the world? And so it truly is a gift. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Now, is, we're, I, obvious statement here, but we're, we're called to return what in the face of hatred? Love. Because they are not of the world. When we are not of the world, what should we expect? Just as I, Jesus says, just as I am not of the world. Like, that's to be like Jesus, right? That's to be celebrated, right? Not, not to conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is our minds renewed? Through the word of God, that we might test and approve what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is, Romans 12, 2 says. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. What is Jesus clearly saying about the Father here? He is our protector, right? He is entrusting them. He's, he's petitioning the Father for their protection. And he says, I don't want you to take them out of the world where they're going to be what? Hated, right? I want you to keep them from, to protect them in it. Right? So he's looking to the Father for, for what only the Father can do. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Again, you know, he just said that twice. I think there's reason for that. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Now, I think it's interesting that, you know, that we're reminded again and again that it's the word of God that continues to transform us. I, I want to say a sidebar here. Um, sometimes I think prayer can be categorized, unfortunately, as us trying to get God to change his mind or to change his heart or his direction. And, and truly, we must understand that prayer is a place where we're the clay and he's the potter, where we're yielded and we're submitted, and we're in a place of transformation, yielded, submitted to, to the Father's will and his word, and asking for help, which he promises to give us. So he says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Interesting. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then we're told that we're given the spirit of truth. So we have the word, the son, and the spirit, all working towards this goal, right? To, to sanctify us, right? To, to bring us to a finished product that is started by faith and finished by the same means. 
So I, I, I penned it this way. We learn the truth through his word. We love the truth through his son. And we live the truth through his spirit. Does that make sense? I'll say that again. We learn the truth through his word. We love the truth through his son. And we live the truth through his spirit. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to that latter part of that statement, don't, I, I encourage you, don't try to live the truth by your strength but his. Right? Anything that, that God's word calls us to is impossible for the flesh but is possible through the spirit. And that, that's a means of, of, of yielding and submitting to him. So verse 18, as you sent me, right? Jesus was sent for God so loved the world that he sent. Uh, as you sent me into the world, let's listen, as in the same vain purpose, intention, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. Now, this is to my earlier point. What, Jesus, what, what does the word consecrate mean? I set myself apart, right? I, so when Jesus went to heaven in order to advocate and mediate on our behalf. He has consecrated himself and for the purpose of the, the Holy Spirit being poured out. And that's exactly what he says here. And for their sake. So Jesus went through all of it, as Isaiah 53 says, for our sake, for our sake, right? He says, for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. What he's telling us there is, is that the continued work of Jesus's mission and ministry through the Holy Spirit, right, is to, is to, is so that we grow up in the word. And, and the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and remind us of everything. And so he is set apart so that we might be sanctified is what we're, we're being helped to understand here. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe. Who's he talking about? Us. Who will believe in me through their word. Why? That they may all be one. Guys, do you believe that unity is a heavenly priority? Right? Like, and, and if we want heaven to come to earth, like we, we can contribute to that. We're, we're equipped for oneness, right? By his word, through his spirit, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, right? So if we just stop there, um, we think we can start to think that oneness is, is kind of the goal. But it really isn't. It's a benefit and it's wonderful and it's ideal and it's necessary. But oneness has this, uh, this expression. See, see what it goes on to say? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Guys, when we demonstrate love for one another and unity within the body, which is, which is only accomplished by a mutual dependency on the Holy Spirit, do you know what happens? The world knows. The world knows. When, he, when, when they see this oneness that is demonstrated in single purpose, you know, like sharing the mind of Christ together and loving one another deeply and intimately and sacrificially as he did for us, I love what it says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right? 
That's what oneness does. And, and that's why it's so vital. And, uh, and we have heaven's help, <laughs> power to see that to fruition. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. What? Do you know what he's talking about here? And he's, he's been talking about it and continues to talk about it throughout this entire discourse is the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. The glory that, I, that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. And why I say that is because we need to depend on the Holy Spirit for oneness. Trust me, your flesh does not want to be unified. Right? It wants to be glorified. And, and we, we need to trust the Spirit for the, for the work of denying the flesh and, uh, and walking in step with the Spirit. Verse 23 he says, I in them, and speaking of us, and you in me, that they may become, listen to what it says here, perfectly one. Is that Jesus' heart and desire for the church? Wow. Isn't that good to know that he wants that? Guys, is that refreshing to be in community where, where, he, where, where there's a heart for unity? Right? Does, that, does that add to any sense of shalom or peace? Right? It's, and we, all, we can all play a part there. So he goes on to say, so that the world, see, reinforcing the same thing that we just read earlier in verse 21, right? Um, listen, listen to what he says here. So that the world may know that you sent me. And then he adds this, and I love this. Please underline this, highlight this. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Guys, that's, that's God having a conversation about his heart for us, right? Like he wants the world to know that he loves them. He wants the world to know that. He wants you to know that you are loved. Like, are, are, you, are you convinced in any other way? Are you deceived like, and I don't mean that in, in, in any harm. I'm just saying, are you deceived in not believing that the, the God of the universe loves you, right? And, and that is so like, and I think the source of that is, is us finding our love in him. And so that he might plant his love through his Holy Spirit in us and then demonstrate it through us first to one another right, in this beautiful expression of unity so that the world may know and be convinced that Jesus must be real. Look at that. Look at them. Look at their heart for him and one another. And then I love these final three verses. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me. Okay, so um, first of all, let's not miss the word. Jesus is now telling us what his desires are. Man, our desires can be selfish and, and, and off, right? But do you see what Jesus' desire is? This is his petition to his, to his Abba. Father, again, you know, reinforcing, like, man, I think it's good in prayer to continue to, to remind ourselves that he's daddy, right? Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me. So right from the start here, we're reminded that you're, you're a gift given from the Father to the Son. 
I think that's beautiful. I think that's necessary for us to take that in. That Jesus says that you're a gift that the Father gave me. And I have protected you and I will continue to do that by entrusting you to my Father's name. And then listen to what he says. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Now, yes, he's talking about his disciples, but he's talking about those that would come from their ministry and message. And it says that, that may be with me where I am. Like, so what is Jesus' desire for the church? To be with him now and forever, right? And then in the context of this, this beautiful prayer, we also understand that Jesus' desire is to be with the Father. And he wants all of us to be together. He wants us to be with the Father. He wants us to experience the unity that will be perfected on, on that day. And, and, but he wants, the, guys, we're not waiting for, the, for eternal life. Eternal life is here in the person of Jesus Christ through his spirit. When Jesus says like that I will continue to be with them and he talks about like still being, he's talking about his Holy Spirit. And, he, and it's so interesting because he talks about it as if it's him because that's what oneness is, right? And like it's us. And what I love is, is he longs to be with the Father, to be back where, where he was in his glory uh, since, the, since before the world was, was foundation was established. And, and then here we're told that those gifts you gave me, Lord, I desire, I, my desire is that they would be with us, Right? And, and he says, may, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me. Don't you love this? Like Jesus is so convinced because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Do you know that you are loved? Because love people love people. If you're in Christ, you're loved. Right, like you're, you're loved. Like it's, it's so important to, to know who we are in Christ. But you can't come to that understanding without knowing who he is. And, and what I love is, is that through this prayer we understand that, that it is Jesus' passionate desire that the world may know. Know him and know the Father. Like, and, and we're the means by which the message goes forth. The rescue of nations, the hope of the world. Righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these, and these know that you have sent me. They're, they're convinced of that. They stated that just a moment ago. I made known to them your name. In other words, your nature, your attributes, your character, your authority, your power. And, and that's what he was demonstrating through all the signs. That's why he was, that's why he, when the centurion said, you just say the word and I know it's done. You know, that's why he marveled because that's what, what only God can do is say the word and mountains are erected, right? To have that authority. He says, Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. Verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue. Guys, beloved, how is he going to continue to make known 
the Father's name through the Holy Spirit in the church. That's what he's talking about. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have... Now, please don't miss this. Why why do I make his name known? Why do I want to glorify the Father above everything else in, in, in my life? That the love with which... Jesus says this. The love with which you have loved me... How much love does the Father have for the Son? Did he declare it? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased... Right? He says that, that the love with which you loved me may be where? In them. Again, another picture of the Holy Spirit. Like, do you know that the Holy Spirit is meant to, to bring God's love intimately to us and then to demonstrate that love through us as we focus on the Father and His glory? Because he says... And the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What's he talking about? Right? The Holy Spirit. And there's this, this, this unity that, that he speaks about it. He personifies himself in the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus would, and then he's, he's done the same for you and me. Because what did he say to Paul on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, the glorified Savior said. Right, so we are invited. We are no, we're not invited. We're in, in Him, in Him, and that's so important that we understand that we are in Christ. Everything that's promised to Jesus is now promised. We're co-heirs with Christ Jesus, and please, please don't miss it. As I already said, this it's, it, it bears repeating. Like here's Jesus on the precipice of some incredible pain and agony and suffering that he is not ignorant to. And what is he doing? He's setting his mind on things above. He is focused on eternity. He is, he is completely focused beyond that circumstance to the joy that's set before him. Isn't that a great example to us when we're facing temporary moments that we understand the surpassing glory that awaits and that it's not worth comparing? So just some thoughts, just some brief thoughts that, uh, that I took away from this time as far as uh, this ideal prayer. Prayer reminds us of our eternal destination. Ideal prayer, like, like, pr- like praise that truth as Jesus models. Prayer reminds us where our help comes from. Like when we're praying truth, when we're praying as Jesus did, it's a reminder of where our help, help comes from. Prayer reminds us, ideal prayer, Jesus' prayer, reminds us that we are kept in his name. We are kept in his name. Jesus' prayer reminds us who, who our shepherd is. Who's our defender? Who's our provider and protector? I love this. In John 6, uh, 39 through 40, and I'm sorry, Mary, I'm jumping ahead here, but, but this, I love what this says here. And this is Jesus' words. He says, and this is the will of him who sent me, speaking of his father, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up, speaking of the church, on the last day. For this is the will of my father, 
that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Did you hear that? That, that it's before the last day that we have eternal life. Isn't that good news? Right, it's here, right? In the Father and the Son that, that we, we have eternal life and it's, it's, a, it's a growing, increasing thing that will be finished in eternity. What else does Jesus' prayer remind us of? It reminds us whose we are and who we are, right? Jesus' prayer reminds us that God is a promise keeper, right? In, in what and how he prays and what he, his desires and his depiction of the Father. I love this. Jesus' prayer reinforces our oneness with God and others, that they may be one even as we are one, verse 11. And one is the, the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, as he says in verses 21 to 23. What else? Jesus' prayer invites us to pray as if all things are possible. Jesus' prayer is, is an intimate conversation with Abba. That's a, that's a, that, that informs the way that we pray, that we're, we're getting to talk. Let's never lose sight of how awesome and amazing that is. Jesus' prayer reminds us that, that we are never alone. Never alone. Isn't that good news? Several other things. Jesus' prayer reminds us that, that we are forever his in verse 12. This prayer reminds us, uh, you know, it helps us understand that prayer is a passage to his peace and joy in verse 13. Prayer helps, his prayer helps us to have accurate expectations, right? Look at in verse 14. Prayer remi- his prayer reminds us that, that we are his and secure, right? Prayer, prayer ideally leads us to thanksgiving, right? Rather than, 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 than uh, um, having, um, you know, unbelieving expectations, it leads us to thank him for what he's already promised to do. Prayer reminds us of our mission, his mission, as he, as he prayed in verses 18 and 20. And I love this. Prayer calibrates our hearts and minds, right? It's, it's so important that we walk in perpetual prayer because it's constantly calibrating our hearts and minds as we dialogue with the Father and listen to his word. Prayer transforms our thinking and emotions. We see this in the Psalms. Prayer, uh, praying the scriptures changes our perspective, right? Anybody else but, but me on that? Like, like it completely shifts our perspective and even our attitude and emotions are influenced. I love this because this is a theme here. Prayer reminds us we are not of this world. That it's similar to what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're citizens of heaven. We are aliens, exiled temporarily as ambassadors, right? On foreign soil. Prayer softens our hearts. That's just the truth. As we get before the Lord, it soft, prayer, like sincere, transparent prayer, softens our hearts. Prayer reminds us of who's in charge, right? Of the sovereignty of God. And you know what that gives us? Peace and comfort, right? Big time. Prayer reinforces our love for God and his love for us. 
right? As we get before him, we see it in, in David's Psalms that, you, you know, David comes in with a lot of emotion content, wanting his enemies to be <laughs> destroyed, all kinds, of, right? And where does he end? In, in almost every case, it's, but your love endures forever. You know, it, he, he has a heart change in the midst of his time because he's reminded of, of who he, whose he is and who he is. Prayer grants us an appetite for his presence. Don't you see that in the text? It grants us an appetite for home. Prayer also creates a hunger for heaven. In verse 24, we see that. And prayer helps us know the Father and his great love. Verse 26. Prayer helps us understand his heart. Like there is a, there is a glorious work that God does in prayer, to impart his heart, his, his love, and his will to us, and so much more. And so as we put ourselves in the posture of receiving, maybe it's time that we lay down our lists and spend more time adoring him and thanking him and find ourselves more in a posture of confession, right, and gratitude, overwhelmed with, and a faith-filled posture that says, if it's not yet, and you've said it's so, it's so. That we pray in faith, trusting him for all of his good promises. We also, in prayer, um, we're helped, our hearts are helped to understand that it really is all about his glory. And when that is the true intentions of our lives, then, man, we are liberated in such a rich way to, to, to make him famous. And it's, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, we also see that our maturity, sanctification, is found through his word. And unity is a priority of heaven. And that our mission, like his, is to be a witness of, of this glorious father that wants to make you his very own. Isn't that good today? Isn't that refreshing? Doesn't that, doesn't that just really kind of uh, encourage our prayer life? I hope it does. I hope it encourages you to pray. That's why I titled the message at the very end as let us pray, right? Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's grow in our relationship because at the end of the day, it's not what we know. It's who we know. And it's not knowing about him. It's knowing him. And he wants, he, he, you are known to him and he wants you to know as you are fully known. That's his glorious, like that's the end result that we're, that we're facing. And, and our journey on earth is about getting to know him more. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.